Welcome to Two Inches Off the Ground. When you are enlightened, you live your life two inches off the ground. Thank you for downloading this episode. I would love for you to give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. Why? Because it helps with the algorithm and is crucial for others to find this podcast. For those of you who've done it already, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And for those of you who are going to do it this week, thank you so much. So I'm at 16 ratings. I'd love to be even more. So thank you. This is season two, episode 11, U.S. Pluto Return with astrologer Sarah Ray. All right, Sarah. So before I go and introduce you, I'm going to go off on one. I'm going to go on one right now. She's laughing. Do it. (laughs) And then I'm going to introduce you. So here we go. It has been an absolute struggle finding an astrologer to come on this podcast. I've been doing this podcast for over a year. And you think astrology would have been one of my first topics, right? It's hard because it's hard to find someone really good. The astrologers I've come across with all do (laughs) have been either not dynamic, not interesting, Mm -hmm. or they've had a holier-than-thou attitude. So yeah, so I've had a lot of problems finding people. And their astrology readings all sound the same from week to week. So I'm just like, are you putting in the work? Are you looking at the stars? Are (laughs) you... What's going on yeah, here? But the, absolutely. Absolutely. So the good news is I found an amazing astrologer. So let's oh. introduce her. Sarah <laughs> Ray is an author, podcaster, and crystal Reiki healer with a goal of helping women incorporate their unique spiritual beliefs and practices into their daily lives. She also teaches women who are spiritually curious about all kinds of new age topics from tarot cards, meditation, manifesting, astrology, crystal energy, ascension, and mindset work. Wow. Welcome, Sarah Ray. Thank you so much for having me on, Jay. I loved having you on my podcast. It comes out tomorrow since we're recording yeah. this. It was absolutely beautiful. I love chatting with you. More of me. So we're going to yes. talk about that. So when you're done with this <laughs> podcast, you go on a herd podcast and you know you all want more of me. So come on. Oh, yeah. I know I do. <laughs> <laughs> so I really wanted you to come on to discuss a major astrological phenomenon that will happen in just a couple of days on February 26th. 2nd, 2022. All those, uh, all those twos, Sarah, right? All those twos. This is a once in a lifetime event called Pluto return of the United States. Please explain what this is and also what can we expect? Yeah, absolutely. So by the 22nd, by February 22nd, it will be officially in full swing. Pluto is a very slow-moving planet in our solar system, as you know, if you have any basic understanding of science, which I'm assuming you do, otherwise you probably wouldn't be here. I don't. Uh, So... (laughs) I really don't. (laughs) Oh, you're funny. Uh, So yes, so Pluto is the outermost planet, right? And therefore, the gravity in relation to the sun is weak in comparison to the other planets that are closer to the sun. So therefore, its orbit takes 250-odd years to completely rotate one's uh, total circumference around the sun. So therefore, it's been almost 250 years, 246-ish years since Pluto was in this exact degree and sign, which is 27 degrees of Capricorn in in general. So it it has been almost 250 years since it has been in this exact same spot. And since the last time it was in this place, the USA was deemed an official nation. Therefore, it is the United States' Pluto return. Yeah, so it's kind of a big deal. It's 
in terms of our values of a nation and the structures that we built together, like because we all know in the as United States citizens, the values that the founding people wanted for the United and States. And some of right? them are good and some of them are fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is good that Pluto eventually came around right now because Pluto in general is the planet of destruction and rebuilding and transformation and collapse, uh, foundations, as I mentioned, systems, power, rebirth and mystery. All these things are kind of in Pluto's realm. It's ruled by Scorpio, which are, is all the same thing. Scorpio is very dark and mysterious and all about rebuilding. So <laughs> but honestly, I think Pluto gets a bad rap. <laughs> like people are scared of Pluto and um, it's, it's very much tower energy. If you're familiar with tarot, just all about destruction for the sake of rebuilding. So it's, you could put an optimistic spin on it, which I choose to do. So I always try to see things through an optimistic lens. There's nothing really inherently bad about Pluto or Scorpio or the tower. It's just, we build thing we build things and they aren't as strong as they could be so they fall down and we rebuild that's all it simply is uh, so it gives us an opportunity to start again so the effects of this return kind of started about a year ish ago um, i'm sure you can probably think about things that have been starting to change in the united states I, I, the whole world but specifically the united states we are going to focus on because it's the united states pluto return so systems that are starting to change. Um, we obviously had a new president in this time frame in the last couple of years and all these sort of things are changing and it's rattling everyone to their core and everything we thought we knew we stood for as a nation has been brought into question. And that's been happening for the last couple of years as Pluto has been approaching the 27th degree of Capricorn. By the time this is out, it's going to be an official full swing, even though we, we've been kind of building up to it the last couple of years. I hope that makes sense so far. I got it. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. So systems that aren't serving the country anymore around specifically healthcare, uh, education, public services, the workforce, the government, and the economy of all businesses, they're falling down at mind-blowing rates. Mm -hmm. um, so Capricorn in general, <laughs> yes. So Capricorn in general represents our um, careers, our hard work, our work ethics, things that are important to us. Um, Capricorn gets things done. And when we combine this with Scorpio energy, we're basically reframing everything that we want to put our energy towards and our thoughts towards and where we want to be going. Because Capricorn is always wanting to be moving forward. But Scorpio was like, let's rebuild and destroy everything always. And we like a little bit of mystery. But Capricorn doesn't. So you could interpret it as being a little bit tense. But for me, it's more like an opportunity to rebuild things. But I don't have to tell you that there has been a ton of resistance for all of this happening. Like we, a lot of the U.S. citizens do not want these changes to happen. And it's different than, you know, when we switch political parties as presidential candidates, right? Like whenever there's a blue to red or a red to blue, there's always tension and people don't want the change, right? But this is different because we're not just changing presidents, we're changing everything that we have built over the last 250 years. And honestly, I want to say that we cannot blame the U.S. citizens for being resistant to this change because we all resist change on a personal level. We're now just resisting the change as on, on a national level. And I have found me personally that the what I resist the most is what needs to be changed the most, is what's going to be the most impactful. So the fact that there is so much resistance is 
indicating to me as an astrologer and as a just a spiritual person in general that this change is not only inevitable but needed like more than anything else that we need as a nation yeah it's coming and if you don't think that things have been unearthed enough right now just wait just wait (laughs) it's about to go into like super high mode And I'm curious to see, like what you said, where it's going to go into. Now, I had predicted, Mm -hmm. this will go into my second question, because I'm proud of myself, because I predicted this right. So (laughs) when when everything started to happen with Me Too and Black Lives Matter, Mm -hmm. I said to people, I said, my next prediction of what's going to happen is income inequality. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Mm -hmm. meaning that people who maybe aren't getting paid enough for their jobs where they should be getting paid more are going to start rising up. And you're starting to see that a lot now. You're starting to see- With my favorite Yeah, I know. What what should I say? Income (laughs) equality? Is that the right phrasing for it? Yeah, that's what I- Yeah, workforce mass reform. Yeah. There really is- the great resignation. The great resignation. So this is something that I really, mm-hmm. we really wanted to talk about. So that yeah. leads me to my next question. In your weekly astrological forecasts, which are so good on your podcast, you. they're so good on your podcast, Spiritually Inspired with Sarah Ray, you've been discussing power and money as a constant theme. In the U.S., mm-hmm. as we know, we are in the great resignation, which is an economic trend in which employees voluntarily resign from their jobs in mass beginning in early 2021. From an astrological standpoint, what do you think of the great resignation and how will it play into Pluto return? Yes. I'm going to apologize in advance if I get a little ranty. Me too. Me <laughs> too. I'm actually very, I'm very passionate about this because not only does it hit home to me a lot as being part of the great resignation or wanting to be my husband was more or less than I than me but um yeah so it it hits home and I also think it's just evidence for everything I've believed was going to be coming for a long time so the great resignation really is just a mass strike in the hearts of people that are sick of being taken advantage of and I will argue this with anyone who wants to argue with me is that there is no such thing as a labor shortage right now what it actually is is a shortage of willing people to be exploited a exploitation shortage because uh, I read a statistic the other day that it there were 11 million job openings in January of 2022 and yet there were no people applying, right? That's not true. There were people applying to jobs that seemed good. They were not applying to specifically hospitality jobs because that's been getting the most brunt of the great resignation because that industry in particular is being stereotyped as um, toxic, overworked, underpaid, just bad working environments. It is. It is. I can attest. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I worked at Hilton for a long time and I can definitely attest to that. So people are sick of this exploitation there. And of course, when COVID started, when the pandemic started and, you know, all this crazy upheaval, the enti- everything that we ever thought was good for our nation started to come into question and fall down when Pluto was starting to approach the 27th degree of Capricorn and people took a hard look at their lives and were like, why am I doing this? Why am I running myself ragged? Why am I a slave? Like it's, it's modern exploitation, slavery, whatever you want to call it. That's really what's happening here in specifically the hospitality industry, but in all industries, 
you see this a lot with conversations about minimum wage and people resisting minimum wage and people trying to prove that you can live on minimum wage, which you really cannot. Uh, people also bringing a lot of mental health practices from the workforce into question, saying that the 40 hours a week, five days a week for the rest of your life is just not sustainable, no matter how much you love your job. And there are other countries in the world that have already figured this out. Like France, for example, only works 32 hours a week and mandatory 30 days off. Um, I don't know the statistics or the specifics of their work laws, but that is essentially what it is. Um, so other countries have already figured this out and the United States is really refusing to not exploit their workers. So people are standing up and saying, no, we're not doing this. But then when they are applying to jobs, they're applying to the competitive jobs en masse. There was a job application I was looking at, not because I'm job hunting, but because I'm interested in this sort of thing. But there was a job application I was looking at that was relatively good for our area in rural Minnesota. It was a full-time front desk position at an optometrist office that was paying a whopping $14 an hour, which seems huge because that's $4 above minimum wage, which isn't a lot. And it's 40 hours and it had over 200 applicants. And it said in the title, it said urgently hiring. And yet it had been posted for two months. Mm. So this is a, this is evident to, to me that there is no such thing as a labor shortage because people are applying to the jobs that seem good, but they're not getting hired, be, not because they're bad candidates, but because they're not willing to be exploited. They go into the interview and they say, I, you know what, I really need 18 an hour because 18 an hour is still about $27,000 a year, just to put that into perspective. That is still poverty level. I love everything you're saying because from a spiritual perspective, Sarah Ray, it's soul sucking. It's it soul sucking. It and is. I've been in that position. I have gone on rants on this podcast about working <laughs> about working in the restaurant industry because I've done it on and off since 15 years old. You know, probably from yeah. 15 to mm -hmm. age 36, 37. I went back around age 35 as a part-time job just to pay off student loans quickly. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. I have to say that. Mm -hmm. But it was just Absolutely. a spiritually soul-sucking experience. People don't realize if you're in these industries, everyone thinks it's the customers and the general public. And yes, that's annoying. And dealing with them mm -hmm. is not fun. But it's more the behind the scenes stuff that people never see. You know, the fact that the last restaurant I worked at I could get any type of drug I wanted from my colleagues because they Yikes. were there were so many drug dealers there. That's what they did on the side, which I didn't. But I'm just saying if I had fell right. into that more and I always say to myself that, thank God I got out when I did, because if I stayed in there, I was in such a low place. I probably would have gone to that place like I probably would have gone to prescription drugs or something. You know, how your managers treat you, how they just take away hours for no reason at all, how you have no health benefits, you have no security, they overstaff, they understaff. People don't realize that when you do, for example, in a restaurant, you do a wedding and if they overstaff it, which they used to do at this last restaurant, your tips are cut in half. So you think it's going to be a $500 day and you have done all that work, a 12-hour day for, you know, 150 bucks or something like that. And that ha that's common right. and that happens. So people don't realize that, oh, you know, you got to suck it up and deal with the general public and that's what you signed up for. It's, it's so much more than that. And then I haven't even gotten into the sexual harassment as a woman, the oh God, emotional yeah. abuse, the verbal abuse, 
so it's all what you're talking about, the exploitation. And I have worked at super fine dining restaurants, celebrities own them, whole nine to an Irish pub in Boston. So I've, I've seen it all and it's all the same thing. So I love that you said that because I'm so happy when I kept reading that, especially in particular, the restaurant business, people refuse to take this bullshit anymore. It made me so happy because you do not have mm -hmm. to go to work and not only be scared for, are my shifts going to be pulled? Uh, are people going to show up because it's raining? And then on top of it, you're just treated what like a slave, like what you're saying. So, and right. and then you're, and right. there's no protections. There's no one to help you. There's no human resources. There's no HR. And even if they were, they're not looking out no, for you. They're looking out for the they're company. Not, they're not looking yeah. – yeah, exactly. So I'm really happy you brought this up because on a spiritual level, it really does suck your soul. And you really do have to look at yourself and say, if I'm doing this right now, if I'm in this situation, I need to get out of it to save myself. Right. And there's no shame in that, honestly. And I worked at Hilton for a long time and it, I loved the customers and I loved the job. And I was the first customer or first employee hired at that particular Hilton. And I was very excited to be there. And I wanted to be in the hospitality industry. I wanted to work at the hotel because that's, I was passionate and still am about travel. I was getting paid $13 an hour as the assistant general manager. Again, that's probably around 24 ish thousand dollars a year, legitimately poverty level. And I was the assistant general manager. I was second in second in command in this whole building. And I was hiring the whole staff and I hired other managers and it was high ranking position. I wanted to tell the story because I feel like it illustrates what the great resignation is perfectly. I could not keep employees to save my life. Like literally anyone that applied got a phone call from me. And if they showed up to the interview, because they weren't, a lot of them weren't showing up. If they showed up to the interview, they got offered the job. And if they showed up to their first day of work, I was like praying, like, please, please, please let this person be an employee. And then they would just stop showing up. And the people that we did have were running ragged because they just, they were running a 150 room hotel when there was like seven of us including the general manager. So um, if there was, if these companies were truly short on labor, they would be calling everybody because I was short on labor and I was calling everybody. And I, as the assistant general manager was working 70 to 90 hours a week, depending on how many shifts other people were willing to work. So I, again, for $13 an hour, like as the assistant general manager, and I finally got the biggest raise I've ever gotten at one time, which was $1.50. <laughs> And I only got that because I was literally walking out the door and they were like, no, this is what we'll give you. And so that brought me up to 1450. <laughs> and that was only because I was literally walking out the door. And so that's what it took. And that's what they say. This is, this is what's happening. This is what the great resignation is. And this is why I don't believe that there is a labor shortage. There's just a shortage of people not willing to be exploited and companies are not willing to do something about it. So what do you mm. predict in regard to what we're talking about, what do you think is going to happen? As far as the great resignation goes and the workforce in general, we're going to continue to see, oh, I'm getting a big yes from spirit right now. We're getting, we're going to continue to see a huge rise in entrepreneurship and small business owners. And we're also going to see a wanting to work for small businesses. I'm getting that directly from source right now. A want, People are going to be competitive in their job hunts and specifically go out of their way to work for small business owners because they're going to be able to pay them more and they're going to want to pay them more 
and they're going to be happier. And ultimately that's what everyone wants, right? So we're going to see a rise in entrepreneurship and a wanting for wanting to work for small business owners. I also believe kind of going off of this a little bit, I think the awareness and the interest around cryptocurrency and NFTs are going to continue. I'm not saying they're going to replace our economy, but any type of alternative currency is going to continue to blow up because everything we ever knew about economics as a nation is being obliterated. I would like to say that I predict the Jeff Bezos of the world, um, the super hyper rich of the world. I would like to think that they're going to not be as greedy and try to, you know, pay their lower level employees better. So, and they take a cut. I don't think that's going to necessarily happen in the next couple of years because technically we're Pluto's only going to be in this degree in this sign for two years for about t- around 24 months, but it's going to stay in the sign of Capricorn for a long time. And it's going to take a while to move away from the 27th degree. So I would say probably in the next decade is going to be most affected of what this Pluto return, even though this particular degree and sign is only for 24 months. So within the next decade, there might be some change from the from the crazy rich people um, wanting to spread their wealth around, but I would not count on it. I think that is one of the reasons why alternative forms of currency are going to continue to gain interest and why people are going to start living more modestly and also be more selective about where they spend their money. Money minimalists. I could not agree more. And I'm going to add one more thing to that. So I predict Mm -hmm. that workplace co-ops are going to start to become popular. Yeah. Workplace co-ops are when you own basically a share of the company or you own shares of the company. So you all own the company. So if you're the janitor, if you're the CEO, you all own the company. And that way the money is distributed much more fairly. And I, and they are starting to do that. And it's more of a European model, but they're starting to do that here in the US. I see that coming forth more and more. I think that's good. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. And I would like, again, I would like to say that the class and the caste system are going to go away, but they won't because they've existed since 250,000 years ago when Neanderthals were just beginning to build their societies. So, so that's not going away. But what will change is it's the gap that we're looking at here. Like, you know, I, at my last job made $24,000 a year as the assistant general manager. And the regional manager was making, you know, $150,000 a year, that gap will start to close. I don't think that the again, the Jeff Bezos of the world are going to necessarily be the ones that are taking the pay cuts, it's going to be the more within reach regional managers, if that makes sense. And and the, whoever the regional manager re- reports to will take the pay cut, but like the big CEOs will not because that will always exist. The elite will always exist. Okay. So I think we explained that thoroughly. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit, Sarah Ray, and I want to discuss birth charts. I've been frustrated with astrologers because if you don't know your birth time, they just can't help you. I'm adopted from a Colombian orphanage in the 70s. Many of us with a similar situation have the same issue. Sorry, I, I didn't explain that right. It's basically when you're adopted from a, a South American orphanage back in the day, they didn't have your birth time. That was the least of their problems. <laughs> They're trying to get you a home. <laughs> yeah. uh, why is this not only an adoptee issue and how do you ensure you have the birth time of your child? 
Yeah. Yeah. So this is, does not only apply to adoptees because a lot of people just don't think about it. They don't care to think about it. Like um, my mom only estimates my birth time. She doesn't know the exact minute. What's your birth Some time? people Curious really care. The estimation. Uh, 4.45 PM. <laughs> October 9th. Oh, I'll remember that. And I know your little girl, her birthday is coming up. Yeah. It's next yeah, week. So oh exciting. my gosh. Her don't first birthday. <laughs> Oh God. So I, okay. So I made sure when I went into labor, the midwives and my doctor and my husband knew this very well, that I want to know what time she was born. Please someone say it. Someone tell me. And I made sure everyone in the room knew. I mean, I was like in labor pains and I'm like, please tell me when she, the time that she's born. It's really important to me. For some people, it is. Regardless of their astrological beliefs, some people really care a lot about what time their baby was born. Like, I know my niece was born at, like, 9.46 a.m. because my brother-in-law, who does not is not interested in astrology, really wanted to know. So sometimes you luck out with your parents if they're not into astrology. If they are into astrology, they will know. They, they will go out of their way to make sure that they will know. But this wasn't really commonplace, like back in the 70s and 80s and even the 60s too. Like this wasn't a a thing. Uh, People don't really, didn't really think about it. Um, A lot of parents might have time ranges like, oh, it was, it was the afternoon or, oh, it was the middle of the night. Like, and usually that is fine. Um, I know you and I talked about this already on our podcast episode, but generally that's fine. Yes, down to the minute is ideal because then you get the the most accurate birth chart. But in my experience from looking at charts, that minute only makes a difference if you're on a cusp. And if you happen to, you know, not resonate with something in particular, you might think, oh, maybe I was on a cusp and it could be this. And then you look at whichever one was on either side and maybe one of those resonates more with you. That could be an alternative if it doesn't quite feel right. Uh, I feel like that was something that happened with you a little bit where you uh something having to do with the morning and the horoscopes that you read in the newspapers it felt like that resonated with you so you just kind of guesstimate you were born in the morning sometime while maybe if you were born at night maybe you resonate a little bit more with the next day or whatever or if you happen to be on one of the days where the sun is shifting signs that is another example you might look at either end and and regardless even if you do have the minute down to the minute you were born and you have a cusp in your chart, you're probably going to resonate with either of them. You're going to resonate with each side of it. So birth time, yes, is important, but a, an estimate is just fine. And if you don't have your exact birth time, that doesn't mean you still can't get an accurate chart reading because a lot of the planets are slow moving and they're not going to be switching signs every single minute. And that's one of the reasons why I love you so much is because you are empathetic to it. Because a lot of astrologers, I've reached out and I've told them my issue and they're like, I can't do it. I don't know how to deal with this. I had one tell me that I'm not supposed to know my birth time. I was like, uh-huh, that's a bunch of bullshit. So That's interesting. Yeah. So I, I know <laughs> you're trying to be diplomatic, but uh, uh, but I, <laughs> so I, I really, that's why I gravitated towards you because you told me, you said, off the bat, you said to me, no, this isn't just an adoptee issue. This is a lot of people I deal with and we can work around it and we can do it. I just want to point people to your episode. It's episode 50 and it's called My Spiritual Birthing Experience. It's an exceptional episode on your podcast, Thank Sarah you. Ray. Exceptional. You. If you're Even if you're not a mother, not a father, I'm not and I still love that episode, but you talk about how you got the birth time and of your daughter. <laughs> 
So definitely want to point people to that episode. And then, yeah, that's something I've always heard that is it true if you read your weekly horoscope in a magazine or newspaper and you align with it, meaning it's true for you, that you were born in the morning? That's what I've heard that the magazines and newspapers only use morning horoscopes. Have you heard that? You know, I only ever heard that from you. And ever since you did tell me that a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was really interesting. And I thought about, and I kind of, you know, researched it just a little bit. And I think that makes sense because if you think about how a newspaper operates, they need to have their stories in um, the night before. So they're looking at whatever the next day is, whatever online tools that they're using, if they're even using online tools or whatever chart they're looking at is going to reflect the morning because that's just how the, how it's calculated. So I think that does make sense. Although I have never heard of that until you pointed it out to me, but it's totally logical. Totally logical. Leave it to me. Leave it to me to give you some <laughs> random weird fact you've never heard before. So if many of us don't have our birth time, how do you as an astrologer work around the issue? How would you do a birth chart? Most people know where they were born. I think the location is way more important than the birth time, personally. If you need to at least know what city you were born in, and I think that makes the biggest difference. If you only know the time, uh, or not the time, excuse me, if you only know the date and the year, that is going to give you like a really generalized, probably not going to resonate with you chart. I don't even know, if, I can't even think of a software that I use that if you can't, that you can even get a birth chart if you don't at least know the location or the state or the general vicinity that you are in. So I think that is way more important, knowing the location. Um, and a lot of charts, I believe Astral Cafe allows you to put in time unknown. And I think like what you said, they do just the morning because I looked at my like chart unknown or time unknown rather at my chart. And it was basically the same thing. I mean, yeah, a couple of degrees were different, but not anything major. So yeah, I, I think location is way more important. So that's what I try to go through. Somebody wants me to help them with their birth chart. I just say, do you know where you were born? They go, yeah. And I go, do you happen to know what time? And they go, oh, it might've been three or something, or it's not a big deal for me because I don't think it really reflects anything as much as people think Well, you are an exception to the rule. So I really <laughs> appreciate you in, in taking that because that actually comforts me of years of hearing, I can't do this for you, I can't do that for you, to, to hear that the location is more important. I personally love hearing that. So thank you. Oh, thanks. thank you. for. I hope there are astrology people out there listening, getting angry. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm pushing buttons because that's what I'm that's what I secretly love doing. <laughs> uh, yeah, you should be pushing buttons and I should be pushing buttons because they should realize that, you know, a lot of us don't know this, you know, this birth time and that, that that's part of their job, quite frankly to work around it and yeah. to figure it out. So I agree. You do it. I agree. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I do. A lot of parents do know what time their children were born or at least the general hour. Like my mom was like, oh, it was around 445. And she only knows that because she knows that she left for the hospital at a certain time. And she knows how long she was in labor for. So she was able to guesstimate. A lot of parents do know this information. So don't be afraid to ask your parents if you are in a situation where you can do that. And if you can't, like if you're an adoptee or you don't want to talk to your parents for whatever reason, if you just, if that's just not possible, I would just go for mornings. I would start with morning and if, see how it looks, if it doesn't quite resonate, maybe try a different time. You can definitely guesstimate and, but I don't want you to get hung up on it. I think is the important thing. Birth time is really not as significant. City is way more important. Okay, perfect. Now, do you have <laughs> any last thoughts for us? 
for natal charts or just in general? Natal charts in general, whatever you'd like to add today. Yeah. Whatever source is telling you. Yes, I got I got it. There is a lot of fear mongering in astrology. Like I mentioned earlier that I like to put an optimistic spin on things because there are a lot of doom and gloom astrologers out there. Like, oh, this is not a good day to do this or don't do this. Like, oh, this is a bad transit. (sighs) I don't want to discount the fact that those things are probably true. Like, yes, some transits do cause tension. Yes, I would not advise that you sign a contract during Mercury retrograde. Like, yes, that's probably not the best. <laughs> I did. did. I signed my house contract during Mercury retrograde, and then I realized it was Mercury retrograde. See, but that and that is the perfect uh, segue into this. Where if it's divinely timed, that's when it was meant to happen. If you were meant to sign that contract at that time, that it was meant to be in Mercury retrograde. There is no perfect time to do these sorts of things. So, I don't want to have anyone get hung up on the fear mongering behind astrology because overall it can be positive. It's all your perception and perspective on things. So you can choose to either see it as doom and gloom, or you can choose to see it as something positive, or even if it is doom and gloom, or if there is tension or whatever, you can still take the approach of what can I learn from this? The US Pluto return is a really good example. It seems scary. A lot of people are resisting it. But it's always going to be changed for the better because it will affect you on an individual level as well. It's not just the entire United States. If you're a U.S. citizen, you're probably going to feel it really deeply because our patriotism is getting brought to question. And everything we've ever valued as far as economics and business and structure goes is being brought into question, which is a good thing because that means you have the opportunity to do something different. But some people don't want change. So it's whatever you want to view it as. So if an astrologer is telling you something horrible is going to (laughs) happen... Just take it with a grain of salt. It's not, we don't need any more fear mongering than we already have. And I feel like a lot of spiritual new age people tend to lean in that direction. Like we, not just with astrology, but in general, like we talk about the dark night of the soul a lot. That seems scary when really it's just the phase you go through when you're starting to realize that everything you've ever known was a lie. But it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's like you're opening up to the truth. You took the the red pill. Is that right? It's the red pill? I, I think, think so. so, yeah. <laughs> so you took the red pill and you're no longer asleep. It's a good thing. Don't give in to the fear-mongering in astrology. That is my big takeaway. Oh my gosh, that's so good. So good. All right. So thank you so much. You can find Sarah Ray on Instagram at spirit underscore inspo. Also visit her soulful website at spirituallyinspired.co. She has eBooks on manifesting abundance and mindfulness. She also has Reiki healing, tarot and astrology readings, and much more. Oh, and please listen to her incredible podcast, Spiritually Inspired with Sarah Ray, especially for her weekly astrology readings, which I love so much. And Sarah Ray, I know you have a program coming up if you'd like to talk about that. Thank you so much for having me and the opportunity to share. I really appreciate it. So starting in early March, I'm going to do communal Reiki shares, totally free. So if you ever have been interested in Reiki healings or you need a Reiki healing, but you're not 
quite ready to have a one-on-one session, you don't have the budget or you're just not sure, or you're Reiki curious, Reiki is a form of energy healing and I want to offer it to the community for free. And I'm having my first one at the very beginning of March. If you go to spirituallyinspired.co slash Reiki shares, plural Reiki shares, uh, you can go and sign up. It's again, totally free. I only ask for your email address so I can send you the Zoom link and you can come there and just receive a free healing that is always going to be for your highest good. And you can also get the replay and you can sign up for the next one over and over. I think I'm going to do them at least monthly. Maybe I'll change it to bi-monthly, but it's just an opportunity to get free Reiki healing for whoever needs it. And if you're listening to this, sign up because it was divinely guided. Amazing. And I'm probably going to do that, but I'll be working with you in other ways. So I'll be doing yes. that. So Sarah Ray is going to see me a lot. We're going to have a lot of time together. I'm excited. I know. And, and we'll discuss that <laughs> as uh, we go forward. But everything that we talked about to find Sarah Ray will be in the show notes, of course. Until next time. Live your life two inches off the ground. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Jay.